everybody and welcome to the officially unofficial podcast for amc's the walking dead the watching dead i'm your host aaron and joining me uh, a special guest this week sitting in for jim while he is in italy uh nina perez from the project fandom from projectfandom.com rather uh it's been a while it's been a while since we've had you on a bald move podcast nina how are you doing good it's been years i think yeah it's been like since season four or five of orange is the new black maybe yeah, that show kind of fell off, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Like, I, I didn't even finish the, the last season where they had the, like, it was like a real-time prison riot in the ladies' yeah. prison. I watched the first yeah. three episodes, like, this doesn't feel like Orange is the New Black. Blah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you have, so I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to paint a word picture here for the, okay. the, the audience. Uh, you, you first came to my attention as a brash woman on my Facebook threads. <laughs> Saying, why are Jim and Aaron being so mean to this show? Why, why, why can't they appreciate oh the goodness that is The Walking Dead? And I just listened to your latest podcast for uh, episode eight hundred nine, Honor, and I want, I want to quote one <laughs> Nina Perez. I wish we had a creative in charge that cares about something besides money. It's just not good. It's not good writing. I hate it. Now I'm pissed because I have to watch this fucking show <laughs> until its wheels fall off. Nina Perez. Was I too harsh and early going? Have you seen the light? What, what, what have I corrupted you? What, what has happened? What has happened? So I told myself I was going to give you a half apology. And I say half because I was that person. Is there going to be remorse? Is Why there are going you guys to, is podcasting there... it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel bad because I, people do that to us now. Like you guys are nitpicking. Why are you watching it? In my defense, though, you guys were doing that in season four, which I think was the show's best season. Wow. Right? Wow. No? I mean, I still think season one's the best season. And then, like... Really? Okay. I think season three I thought was pretty good up until the finale of season three when it became mm-hmm. clear that, hey, we're just going to run back the prison plot because we don't want to afford a new set. I mean, I guess... Right. And, and, you know, it's funny because, like, Walking Dead has gone to, like, a great show that could be, like, really good. Like, could be a definitive genre, zombie right. genre if if it fixed this, that, or the other to, like, a complete shit show that you're just kind of picking through mm-hmm. for kernels here and there. And that's what I've I've realized is, you know, our season one through four right. coverage was mostly we like this show, but, oh, my God, look at this stupid thing they're doing right here. And it's morphed into right, right. trying to find a good episode out of eight to to kind of latch onto, uh, and you know, I I, I kind of yeah. felt like this episode was one of the better ones we've had in a long time. Reactions? I agree. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I mean, for for one thing, yeah, I agree. Uh, for, um, we even go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I think there's like a little uh, echo or overlap. Um, it. It was better, I think, than last week's, which was the problem, I think, is that, like you said, you can see the seams. Like, I can see the reason for the sloppy writing. I can see the reason for them stretching things out. Um, And last week was a perfect example of that, right? Like, it's this extended episode for no other reason than it is killing a big character and they wanted to sell a lot of ad space. Right. So 
and then, but the problem is that their writing isn't good enough so that you don't feel like that's what's going on. You know, right. like you're watching it the whole time and you totally understand that they're just milking something that doesn't need to be milked. And you end up mocking things more, more than you're, you know, digesting the good parts of it. But um, yeah, I, that, that's clearly, I think the problem is that they're just making this show, I think, for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess that's oh. what, you know, if, if we were kind of early adopters for, uh, call, you know, saying the show is a garbage, garbage dump, it's because I feel like I saw that even before the lawsuits came out that it's like, this is kind of public knowledge that this mm-hmm. is how AMC Studios does run it. Like, it seemed to me that just looking at who they were hiring and the quality of the writers as far as their resume and directors for the most part, mm-hmm. it just seemed like they were really cutting corners and, you know, overly concerned with set budgets when this was the biggest show on television. And it's just, yeah. you know, that's always been the great shame of, of like, I, I always wonder like what this show would be like if Frank Darabont had not been run off because he complained that they made him make a 13 episode season with the same budget as a six episode season. Like, mm, yeah, you know, yeah. like what, what if they had actually like HBO does with game of Thrones where like, Oh wow, shit. Uh, 3 million people are watching this show. Here's double the budget. Whoa. 6 million people are watching the show. Here's double the, like instead of pumping it in and, and pumping money back into it and making it bigger and better, you know, like essentially robbing it blind and, you know, uh, taking all the sponsorship money and the commercial money and the merchandise, my God, the merchandise money and 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 keeping it to themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we thought so I thought this was pretty good. Number one. Um, but it still was there's still a couple of, of funny, I guess, little quirks to the episode, because like mm-hmm. one of the things I've been saying of late is the Walking Dead tends to compartmentalize down to one or two characters like this is the episode where rick and michonne go to the carnival or this is the episode where enid and carl make out in the rotten tree trunk and this is the like and and you don't get you don't get that like you know kind of keeping everyone involved in in the story which is probably another cost-saving measure so they don't you know they they can Mm -hmm. just, just like isolate and just have these actors and then they don't need them for these other shoots but i felt like this is this episode mostly skillfully intercut all the different action what i didn't get is why the why the 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 subtitle why do we get like michonne and then we get like i the guess title cards. Yeah. yeah why the title cuts because it seemed like it's drawing attention to the fact that it's juggling all these characters and sometimes i didn't feel like the titles matched up with the focus of the scene but i mean mm. that, it's a weird artistic choice but it, it's it's one of the ones that didn't just kind of like i guess torpedo the the episode for me do you have any idea why they went with the title cards Absolutely not. Um, it felt I, I when it started. I think the first one was Michonne, right? And yeah. so because they've never done that before, I thought, oh, you like I it instantly paid attention, right? Because this right. is different. Maybe something meaningful is going to happen. And then I think the next one was Negan. Yeah, yeah. And then it was Enid, and I thought, oh, maybe these are all the people who got a letter from Carl. So oh. by the end, it's going to like take on another meaning like maybe we're gonna read parts of these letters or something but then it was simon and i was like i know he didn't write simon in letters right 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 why are we doing this yeah i have no idea and it wasn't even like um we talked about this last night that it wasn't necessarily non-linear this episode but they did that thing where it feels like they're trying to be clever so like 
when they first arrived at the junkyard, there's the paint, but it's like nothing meant anything. Like if the paint on Simon's boots led to him being found out by Negan, like what he did or something, you know, like then I would get it, but it feels like they're doing certain things like this, like the title cards and the out of order storytelling and the fast zoom ins. Like they're trying to be artistic maybe, but it's not, Yeah, it just looks weird that's what my like i feel like they these people have watched like a quentin tarantino film and they (laughs) like the like yo everything's broken up with title cards and this and that and it's it's like they they see this stuff where much better creative people are playing with really advanced filmmaking concepts and making them work and they're just kind of like you know aping that to make it mm-hmm. like because you know the walking dead still carries itself with the swagger of a prestige drama yes <laughs> even <laughs> even eight seasons after like you know like it's five four or five however you want to score it after it's long since abandoned that type of like prestige format and storytelling they're still carrying itself so i feel like yeah. i don't know maybe that's a like an order from on high with amc like hey Make sure you know, like uh, I just got, I just got out of Inglorious Bastards. I, I want to see some title cards. I wanted to. I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's. I, I'm with you. Like the the blue paint on Simon's shoe would be interesting, and I'm sure we'd speculate it for like five or ten minutes. Except for I don't have any faith that that's actually going to pay off. And and honestly, it's kind of a silly setup because right. you know Simon defied the 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 real story here is Simon defied Negan. He left a witness to mm-hmm. his crime. Uh, it was inevitably mm-hmm. going to get out. I guess Simon's going to get his face beat in by Negan at some point in the future, which I f- am kind of bummed out about because Simon's one of my favorite characters at this point. Like, he's super yeah. fun. Yeah. Stephen August is fun. Um, fun to – I can't even say hate. He was just – he was the right-hand man doing what he was told, you know? Right. Um, we speculate that maybe they had him do this so that if they're trying to soften Negan a little bit mm-hmm. to make it more palatable when Rick is like, my mercy prevailed over my wrath and doesn't kill him, right. that maybe they want the audience to hate Negan. I mean, excuse me, Simon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't I don't know. The way it went down, it just felt like there should have been more to it. Right. Um but yeah, I agree with you. That was a big deal. The fact that he went there and expressly did the exact opposite of what Negan told him to do. Uh, well, we I guess we should probably get right into the episode recap. Before we do, I forgot that I, I had the kind of introductory to Nina Perez's relationship with Bald Move, but I haven't given you a chance to tell tell everybody what you're about. Uh, I know you oh. built this this really huge, um, amazing community at ProjectFandom.com. Maybe before we get into the episode, uh, you can brag about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, so it's called Project Fandom. It's uh, my website. I have a team of writers. We cover a lot of television, a comic lot. books, books, a lot. You guys are prolific. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a lot. Um, and then we have uh, several podcasts. We have Podcast Fandom where we cover shows like this and uh, The Flash and Black Lightning. Um, we did The Leftovers when that was on. It's probably like the best show we've ever covered. Um, Can't argue with that. Yeah. God, that show kills me. Um, and then we have a premium service on Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast fandom, where we cover uh, all of the Marvel Netflix shows. So we'll be doing Jessica Jones at the end of the week and um, Westworld and Legion and uh, a bunch of stuff. We cover books. 
over there. We all read a book together and talk about it chapter by chapter. Um, yeah, so that's what I do. And I'm, I'm also a writer. So I have some books. You can look me up on Amazon, Nina Perez. Follow me on Twitter, at author Nina Perez. I got a couple of new books coming out in the next three months. So, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. All right. I will uh, put all those links in the show notes if uh, those went by too fast for you. If you want to catch up on Nina uh, and what she's doing, what she's about at Project Fandom, I would highly encourage that. Hey, before we get into the episode uh, proper, uh, I wanted to get to some uh, some some housekeeping out of the way. Uh, Jim is gone. He's still in Italy with his brother uh, touring his motherland. Uh, but we still got a bunch of great content coming out for you this week at Bald Move. Uh, we've already dropped an episode uh, of The Exorcist of uh, episode of Bald Movies, a commissioned podcast. Uh, Stephen, uh, superfan Stephen, uh, commissioned us to do a podcast on a 1973 horror classic. Had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, we got... Quit Your Pitching uh, for club members coming out tomorrow. Thursday, my wife and I are going to see the Wrinkle in Time movie for First Run Bald Movies. Uh, Friday, we'll have a lunch with Jim and Aaron. Actually, be just lunch with Aaron. Actually, be lunch with Aaron and Cecily. Uh, my wife's going to come over and do uh, her first lunch with, uh, with Cecily and Aaron ever in her podcasting career. Uh, that's going to be pretty cool. And then early next week, uh, first thing Monday morning, we got our commission podcast for Highlander, the movie coming out. Uh, of course, we've got the live watch for club members and the, the live recording and all that other stuff. Uh, check it all out at baldmove.com. Uh, so let's start off with the episode. Again, we're talking about this episode 810, uh, The Lost and the Plunderers, uh, which I think is the first time I've actually mentioned the episode title and what show you're watching. Uh, yeah. I, I miss Jim. I need, I need him to keep me on uh, to keep me between the the white and yellow lines here. Uh, but we start with the title card, Michonne. Uh, there's a couple things I want to talk about this scene. I really like the homage to Shane's comic grave. I know you're not a comic book reader, but uh, Carl's grave site marker, the little cross, was uh, like like the the art direction for that was the the comic panel of uh, everyone leaving Shane's grave. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, okay. And then this is kind of the in, uh, uh symbolic of everything that is to come with Rick. Rick initially hangs Carl's gun on the grave as if to retire it mm-hmm. before snatching it back off and tucking it into his waistband, which is going to, you know, this mm-hmm. is going to be the the pull the push and pull through for Rick throughout the episode. Um, mm-hmm. Michonne tries to box out some zombies from the community, ultimately loses, uh, decides she can't stand to see the gazebo that Carl used to love to sit on burned down, which is that a thing? Were there multiple shots of Carl sitting on this gazebo? Listen, I can't remember one. Me either. I remember I remember him sitting on the roof eating pudding, but that, I don't remember him sitting that, on the roof. That's what I was saying. Like, if this was like a pallet full of chocolate pudding, I could see Michonne get teary-eyed and rushing over there with the fire extinguishers. But the gazebo, I, 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 during the live watch, I'm like, was that a Reg thing? Did he, like, say this gazebo represents the heart of Alexander? Like, what the fuck? The only thing that I forgive it is because it's grief, you know? Like, it felt a little silly at one point because, right. like, now you're putting yourselves in danger. But I told myself I was going to give them an episode or two of maybe doing shit like this because they're grieving. So I'll forgive it. And I think it was effectively set up with her discovering the handprints um, because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a couple things. She knew those were new. 
and she could surmise like this is kind of effective storytelling we we didn't need to make a big deal because we knew what carl did and why he did it and she instantly got those same things and she was like over over kind of kind of overcome with sentimentality so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um honestly as we kind of like pan through alexandria compared to last week i was surprised by how relatively good shape it looked like yes most of the houses were intact i expected them to be in ashes and that made me wonder, and again, like, you know, I am um, where I am in the comic books. They just got to Alexandria and the leader who in the book is a man and not a woman, not Deanna. <laughs> right, right. Um, it looks like he's turning into a bit of a creep on Andrea. But uh, this made me think the, the way that it didn't look as bad as I thought it would. It makes me think that they're eventually going to come back, maybe. Just like AMC, you know, like, hey, 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 don't burn the set down too. Because I was joking about that with Jim last week. Like, well, they set the set on fire, so they'll have to, they'll have to build a new one, right? No, no. The AMC execs came running in with the fire extinguishers as soon as uh, Nicotero had said cut last week, and they they saved ninety five percent of it. It seems like. Yep. Uh, but as they pull away, we see the mercy for the lost, uh, vengeance for the plunders, which is, you know, that's the, the episode title, the lost and the plunders. I'm assuming Rick's Rick is team lost and Negan's team plunderer. Yes. Uh, he's, as, as they go down the road, uh, Rick is kind of openly wondering what, you know, Carl meant by all of his deathbed shenanigans. Uh, Michonne reveals that he wrote a letter to Negan, which I thought was kind of fascinating. Uh, and then Rick doubles mm-hmm. down on needing the trash people. We actually speculated on uh, whether Negan got a letter last week. And one of my co-hosts was adamant. He was like, I, he wrote a lot of letters. I bet one is for Negan. And I was like, I like that idea, but I don't know if they're good enough to do it. And right. they did it. Yeah, no. It surprise. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this, is, uh, this is for the kind of garbage era of The Walking Dead. This is one of the better episodes and had some mm-hmm. kind of like, it felt like ideas were starting to kind of come together. Um, mm-hmm. but then Rick detours it by doubling down on the trash people. Uh, and I thought it was funny cause when he announces this, they kind of pan over to Michonne and Michonne's given distinct face. I think all of the viewers were giving at like, Oh God, the trash people. <laughs> uh, and the trash heap is even more of a shit show than normal because they push through the front door. It instantly collapses behind them in some sort of booby trap. And the yeah. whole th- main Thunderdome area is filled with zombies. Oh, shit. What's going to happen? Um, and we got those zoom, those comedic zoom ins, those fast pushing on their faces like yeah. three times. Yeah. yeah. It's very uh, who's that? The the evil dead guy, Sam Raimi. Yes. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a little little Sam Raimi there. Um, so then. We, 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 we leave uh, Rick and Michonne there, and we get a title card that says Negan. Mm-hmm. And I thought there's some dialogue in this episode that I thought might be the writing staff taking shots at AMC executives because he's m- admiring Carl and how he's built for this shit, and he yes. got one over on me, and he's like the most interesting character that The Walking Dead maybe have, and it would be a shame <laughs> if something would happen to him over probably a budget dispute and not wanting to pay a guy adult scale. Like... <laughs> Did you get a little bit of like there was a little bit of uh, shots fired from the Walking Dead writing staff? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, 
Yeah, I said that his conversation, like the whole start of this was Carl is awesome and I can't wait to raise that kid and he's the best thing to happen to this town. And I was like, he's going to be so disappointed in about 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, so and it's I I feel like there's been a little bit of that because there was like, uh, I don't know if you follow the kind of like meta discussion around The Walking Dead, but there is this thing that is it is it Gary Payton? Is he the guy who is uh, King Ezekiel? Carrie. Carrie. Carrie Payton. Uh-huh. He, mm-hmm. he tweeted a picture of uh, Maggie, Laura, Lauren Cohen, and said mm-hmm. uh, with just the, sing- the, the, the phrase, pay the woman. Because, right. you know, it's been widely reported that this, you know, she's no longer under contract after this season. She's already signed to be the lead of another drama. Mm-hmm. Yet the show continues to heedlessly go down this path. Of making Maggie the 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 leader that that we actually need, you know, she's going to mm-hmm. be the the future leader. Uh, I don't. What what do you what do you think about that? Um, it really does feel like again, um, we know so much, right? Because of social media and all this. I don't know how we ever understood television before social media, but now we know about the pay disputes and you know signing on to new shows. It really does feel like narratively that's where they want to go and -hmm. that's what they have been setting up. And AMC is like, okay, yeah, but we're not going to pay her more. So you need to figure out how to make that work. And I really do feel like it is like what we were talking about, like one hand having one agenda, which is make as much money as we can and milk this for all it's worth. Mm -hmm. And the other is actually trying to create something that makes sense. Right. But you know, they can't do it together. And the fact that she is not getting paid um, as much as, you know, clearly she feels she should be paid for mm-hmm. being on the show now for, what, six years, six seasons? Right. Um, and not paid as much as, uh, let's say, Norman Reedus, who, you know, he's cool and all, but, but honestly, Maggie da- has been giving more of a, you know. Yeah, like if you gauge just on importance to the story and screen time. Right. Uh, Maggie is much more important to the future of The Walking Dead and the story they're telling now than Daryl, who, like, you know, Jim and I were talking last week. What What is the last really good Daryl plot we've had? And I don't count the Easy Street tortures because I, no. I didn't think that was a particularly good plot. Like, you have to go, what, back to season five with him and Carol uh, kind of doing that solo mission into the city and, you know, them talking about their shared abuse and, like, that really yeah. connected at, on a character level. And, you know, the fact that they want to renew her at like season two Maggie rates or whatever the thing is, like, it just feels like that this shit up until the last season or two, they kind of kept this stuff contained because the, you know, the actors always played the whole, Oh, we're just a big happy family and we love each other right. so much. And now there's starting to be some crack showing. Uh, yeah, that's getting out to the press. But, uh, so, there's a there's a conflict between Negan and and, and Simon here. Uh, Negan wants to essentially keep the same old same old. Like, hey, we're going to show up and we're going to send people the message, and they're going to snap back in line. And Simon, I think rightfully so, is saying, "What the hell are you talking about? This just isn't working. We're getting our asses kicked. Let's cut our losses and go find other people to save." Mm-hmm. Um, but Negan insists that it's just a Rick problem, and if you get him in line, everything else will fall in line. Uh, and then we get the, the the coffin that Maggie sent Negan last season, or last half season, which they open it, and they find out it's one of their 
dead guys that she took hostage from the uh, satellite outpost, and that pisses off Simon because these are his guys. And Negan mm-hmm. says, "Don't give a shit. I need you to <laughs> this, to stay in line for this." Uh, it increasingly seems like Negan just is out of touch, and I don't know. I don't know that I'm buying that he's going to be able to maintain power with his lieutenants uh, no longer buying into the I'm Negan bullshit. Yeah, I don't feel like they've ever done a good job of explaining how everything works and why it works the way it does. Um, and we've said this before, particularly when we first started visiting the other areas, right? And Gavin is visiting the kingdom and they have an agreement where they can't step foot in the kingdom. So they were doing all of their tra- transactions elsewhere because the kingdom folks didn't even know that they were giving stuff to the saviors right and then you have oceanside who lost all of their men to the saviors because they wouldn't fall in line and now they're hiding and we were saying on our show like how is does negan know about this stuff like how is he running this like you know it seems crazy to me that they would allow one community to like they can't step foot in it like that's so different than how they're treating alexandria or whatever and now it just feels like he honestly believes that this the way he's doing things is the right way to go right and killing everybody is easy the hard thing is to keep them in line and whatever but it's i can't imagine that this is the first time that they have face real pushback from this but apparently it is yeah that's that's the thing it does seem like this is the first this is the first time the sending the message has gone wrong and hasn't instantly cowed the people and Mm -hmm. um but we all i mean i I think if rick showed didn't show up it would be a matter of time because that kingdom shit was looking like it was going to go bad uh from the jump uh like it was just 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 just, that was just a powder keg um and gavin Despite Negan's assertion of him keeping his shit uh, dry and tight, I think I think uh, Gavin's <laughs> right. shit was wet and sloppy and loose and, yes. and yeah, loose and nasty and just a bowl of diarrhea. Like I, I, I Gavin is the fucking worst. Um, and that's the other thing is like I don't know. Some of the casting and acting choices makes Negan like if every one of Negan's lieutenants was like Simon. I would buy this a lot more, but a, mo- a lot of the the Negan's lieutenants are just thoroughly unimpressive people. Exactly. And so that's the thing. It it makes me feel like um I'm sorry, you may hear my my uh Amazon Echo in a second cuz she thinks I said her name when oh. I said exactly. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just came on. Um yeah, it again, it went back to us trying to figure out like how we expected to believe that the saviors are able to maintain what they've maintained when you have his folks being like they seem to relish being just terrible people. Mm-hmm. And 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 again, just having these situations where it's like does Negan even know about this because I can't imagine that this flies, but Right. Um yeah, and I like that Simon is like, look, either we leave and find new people people to save or really to like kill a bunch of these folks for running now twice they've tried this right Right. um and negan's like nope and i don't know that i completely understand what it is he's trying to do yeah and i wish there was like i mean i wish there was the carrot because all we see is stick with negan like he does take Mm -hmm. care of his lieutenants like we see but like where is the i guess model negan community where 
they are, you know, get along to go along. Negan has offered them protection, has actually delivered. Like, I wish there was a community where Negan is actually, because they've never rebelled and never, they've never done anything wrong that they like. I think Negan's a great guy. You know, right. he's beat your head in with a baseball bat. That seems crazy. He's never been anything, but like, but there is none mm-hmm. of that. It's just all stick, 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 stick. Uh, even, even among his own people, like if right. you're not in his inner circle, you get stick all the time. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a stable way to run a society, but what do I know? Uh, <laughs> do we have anything else we want to talk about before we get on to Enid? Uh, uh, no, I think I'm good. All right. Uh, boy. Okay. Enid. Uh, they're really going all in on Oceanside's <laughs> net-based fashion, aren't they? <laughs> like. I don't. Why do we need this? I, I don't know. Why do we need this? I mean, I get that Nick took or the, the Rick took all your guns, but like this whole like everyone's wearing a net for a shawl and we're all using frog gigs as spears kind of thing. Like it's a weird (laughs) aesthetic choice. Like I get it that they're the ocean side community, but like there's a little trash people vibe where it's like, you're really embracing this. You're really going all in on the ocean side. Yes. Are they wear? Are they got like bra, like aerial bras with like seashells and like seashells? Yeah, like I can mean this. Like every time they go back, it's going to be more ocean side, more ocean side. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like they left it up to Cindy uh, to decide what to do with Enid and Aaron because she, she's the one that lost her grandma. Enid asserts a bunch of mess that I'm not even sure we're supposed to believe. Like her grandma made me do it. She like to me, it's she sounded like. She sounded like a cop that shot a kid holding a toy gun in the dark and is now trying to justify her actions. Uh, right. Uh, but is that – the thing is, is the show is so often poorly written, I'm not sure if that's actually intentional or they thought that they sold the story of Enid being given no choice but to kill the grandma to save Aaron. I I don't know. I, and I don't even know that I care. I don't care about Enid. I don't – this this whole trip makes no sense to me. Right. When they left, they were winning. Right? Yeah. yeah. He dropped off baby Gracie and he decided this is what he needed to do. Wasn't telling anybody. And now they're like, we need them. We need them. You don't even know that you need them because right. you left when you were winning. Right. And you took all of their guns. So even if they join the fight, what are they going to use? Like you're right. using all of their weapons. Like this makes no sense to me. They got, they, feel- yeah, they got all those frog gigs and wiener roasters. <laughs> like they're ready to rock. They're ready to rock. And Enid did not do, I, again, I don't know if it's the writing or the acting, but I feel like she didn't do a good job of talking someone out of killing them. Right. Like it felt like Cindy just agreed not to do it because plot. Yeah, And then when they're leaving, she's still talking shit. And I'm right. like, girl. <laughs> yeah, you're getting out of here with your life. Shut up. Right. No, I, oh. I, I thought I thought the Enid was actually pretty compelling and gave a good performance of just stu- like jaw-droppingly stupid dialogue. Like, you go right. up to this, like, I just killed your grandma, but she made me do it. And also, killing your grandma was my punishment. And... Yes. You know, you could be punished by killing me, but if you do that, then we'll come back and kill you. Like, it it was really a philosophically and ethically confusing speech that she was giving, but she was d- delivering it excellently. 
yes she she committed to that terrible dialogue yeah and like yeah that then like when cindy's like well don't come back and she's like well stop trying to kill strangers and cindy's like well don't come back it's like very fucking junior high school mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. and I then she threw on that shade like we're gonna go fight because we don't hide <laughs> right right <laughs> okay. yeah we're gonna keep killing because that's our punishment and you keep hiding because that's your reward and meanwhile aaron is just gonna squat behind this log for some for some reason like like he's like he's like uh, that's like where he left he literally just pops a squat behind his tree and i'm like what the what a weird way to to end the scene he's just going to be crouching behind the trees until these like you know i don't i i i until these these ladies stumble across him i guess i guess and i don't know why he thinks that he's going to be any more convincing like I just, it's just a mess. Is he going to be, is he going to try the like, ladies, ladies, look, I know you're an all female community, uh, but like, look, it's cool. I'm gay. Is he going to try, right. is he going to, is he going to, is he going to try that defense? I have no idea. Like, look, si- look like, 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 look, sister, you know, I don't. My theory is that um, they need to keep him on this part of town or wherever the hell this is because Heath is coming back and we need, he, we need somebody that knows Heath. And he knows Heath. That's the only thing I can think, because I don't understand why uh, he has such a hard-on to get these women to join their fight when he doesn't even know that they need them right now. I'm glad you said Heath, because that reminds me that Heath existed. And <laughs> they dropped they dropped this mysterious hint about him with that, like, what is that card? He dropped a card that said PPP or something. And, like, this is, this, this is why I'm not going to spend too much time overthinking Simon's blue shoe. Because they dropped that card like two and a half seasons right. ago. So, and when Heath comes back, is that going to like, oh, yeah, I've been holding up at a Planned Parenthood clinic. Like, that's what the, yeah. Like, I, 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 I don't, they do this shit. And <laughs> why, why try to engage in speculation for it? Exactly. That's not exactly. a bad theory, though. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so Aaron's going to crouch behind a tree until Heath shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Simon. I think this is, <laughs> between this the next three scenes are pretty good because you've got Simon who just, you know, Stephen Ogg is just chewing all the scenery. Jadis, which I don't like, but sh- I, I got to say she's got one of the most awesomely disgusting set pieces I've seen in Walking Dead history. And then the Rick and Negan stuff I thought was pretty good. Let's talk about, like, like Simon rolls up to the trash okay. heap uh, and says he's going to need an apology. And his whole demeanor... Like with he's working his eyebrows, he's working his nostrils, he's working his mustache. Uh, his reaction to Jadis saying, "Oh, we tried to deliver Rick, but you fucked it up by shooting," with his just screaming bullshit is the most awesome bullshit call since like yeah. Daryl circa season five when he had the bullshit. Uh, yeah. Fucking loved it. I love <laughs> I love the whole thing. I loved that like he was successfully emoting how fed up he is with Negan like hey we're going to even though you've revert the deal and you double triple crossed us we're going to let everything slide that's some crazy good luck mm-hmm. right I loved that all I yeah. loved that all yeah. uh, he was chewing that up yeah no he was he was doing a great job and I felt like his craziness is offset nicely by Jadis's kind of inscrutability in this scene mm-hmm. um, but I gotta say that like I felt like they introduced that old man of the trash heap last season purely to make this a moment. And they tried to introduce this other female trash heap person 
Mm -hmm. uh, that we have no reason to care for. We have no reason why Jadis cares for them, but it's going to be a moment when, uh, uh, when Simon shoots them. Right. And why should we care about these people? All they've done is double cross the people we actually kind of halfway care about. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, so. I'm like, uh, do, so should I be, am I, should I just start figuring out like, Oh, maybe that's her dad. And maybe this is her sister, or maybe it's her lover, but she also kind of had things, like a thing for Rick, or maybe that was just uh -huh. a, like, I want to sculpt his rock-hard nude body kind of thing as an artistic, mm -hmm. like, I don't, but then I'm like, well, why the fuck am I trying to figure this shit out? I've been giving nothing to go on, but some significant glances between these people and their final and moments. You, and they speak like broken CNCs, so I don't know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah, mm -mm. and like, you know, The Walking Dead's always been like, you don't give two shits about this character, but we're going to go for broke right in a speech in the final episode uh, so that you will try like, like let you know that you should care about him when they die. They don't even buy the trash. people don't even get that. It's just, nope. we're going to off these two people that had a combined, like three lines of dialogue and Jadis is going to get teary eyed and angry. And yeah. And that's uh, it. Oh, really quickly. What did you think of the, um, when Simon asked her, what's with the helipad and the solar panels? Outback. I mean, obviously, they want us to connect the trash people to the mysterious helicopter Rick saw. And I feel like the solar panels got mentioned just so people wouldn't wonder how the hell is she just flipping on this thing that's taking like 440 volts to run <gasps> oh, in the zombie okay. apocalypse. But the, the, the helicopter. So I feel like the solar panels is just so you don't ask questions of how she ran that shredder and the helipad. Right. Obviously connecting back to the helicopter we saw earlier in the season, but how that's going to pay off, I have no idea. Yeah, because they made it sound like the place wasn't a landfill to begin with, right? Because right. later when she says that the trash was just kind of strewn about and they mm -hmm. made the mounds, they I guess, heaps, as walls right. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, how would you feel if that's her helicopter and Jade is just, you know, ran sometimes takes it out for a spin? <laughs> I mean, it's just so weird because they established... I guess that would be okay, except for they established her as some kind of like hippie junkyard scavenging mm -hmm. flower child artist. Right. So right. why would she also have this weird, you know, helicopter aviation kind of thing going on the side? Like that's yeah. that makes yeah. about as much sense as you find out that Enid actually had a fully working chopper behind Alexander this whole time. <laughs> Nothing and they, yeah, nothing about her suggests that that was part of her backstory, but sure, why not, you know? Yeah, and the implication is, though, that there that place was something of significance because when he asked her that and she goes, it's just a dump, it's, like, clear that she's lying. Yeah. And then he says, I just want to know that, that you know or something like that. Mm. And I'm like, what could it possibly be? I don't, I don't know yeah. because there's, okay. you know, like these characters are so thin and then they've got mm -hmm. this weird, like Jim and I have always described it as like the Star Trek, the next generation plan of the week. Like, Oh, these are trash people and they speak in broken English. And that's all the characterizations we're going to get. You know, Jordy's going to go <laughs> down there. He's going to get, lose his visor. He's going to, you know, uh, LeVar Burton's going to have to scream two or three times. Riker will beam <laughs> in and save him. And next week all will be forgotten, but they're trying to hang plot on like a episode of the week, Star Trek culture. And it's not exactly it's not working. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, the other question I have is so Simon lets this lights this first of all, he shot two people. Mm -hmm. So I think he was you know, obviously he's fine shooting the Romulan Pro Council, who is the father to Romulan subcommander Jadis. 
Uh, then he shoots the pro council's daughter slash sister, whatever. I don't know. And all hell breaks loose. Um, are Simon's people loyal to Simon or Negan? Like, I thought they're all Negan, right? Yes. And this is one of the things that I mentioned last night. So she backhands him. She suddenly can speak in complete sentences, right? Mm -hmm. There's remorse, you son of a bitch. Right. And then he tells his boys to light everybody up. They cut to him in the truck and he's driving and Mm -hmm. he's looking to his right at somebody sitting in the passenger seat. And he does it like three times. Like he's, you know, he goes between looking at the person and looking at the road. And it felt like it was the perfect set up for us to see that it's one of his boys in the passenger seat and he's going to be like so don't tell Negan okay yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. or have a conversation like, like whoa you know like uh you know the other thing is like yeah because and if he says don't tell Negan and the guy should respond I'm Negan you know right. like they've made this point that this is the cult of personality but when it's convenient and they want to have this insurrection plot forget all that they, yeah and they could have you know, I I don't know whether they expect us to like. Well, Dwight's doing this, so maybe everybody's like at various stages of the Dwight character path, and I I, I don't know. They just they just feel like oh well, they'll just get it, you know. Um, and I'm not yeah. asking to be handheld and told everything, but holy shit, some it of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, you it would have been interesting to at least have him even attempt to turn people to his side or establish right. that they're already on his side, anything. Yeah, but like, just, like, we got like, this weird scene of him looking at someone, but not speaking to them. And next thing you know, he's just pulling up in the sanctuary and it's like, okay. Yeah. 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 And he lies to Negan's face about the P and you know, uh, then Rick's calling Negan on his walkie talkie. Uh, Simon notices he's got this blue boot, which is from the, like a paint explosion uh, mm-hmm. at the art, the trash art colony. And again, probably is significant, but I don't even know if it's worth speculating on because to me, I, I'm also very confused and we'll talk about this. Let's, I guess go to the next scene unless you got more to say about the uh, Simon's. Uh, no. Mm-mm. Why, why does Simon leave Jadis alive? Cause to me, he kills Jadis and, uh, and as long as he could get his guys to not tell Negan, who, again, they're all personally loyal to Negan. Negan is the one that butters their bread, not Simon. If he can get all of them, every one of those, like, 16 dudes that was there to shut the fuck up about it, and he kills Jadis, then he's essentially committed the perfect crime. Like, even if Negan goes by right. and finds that the trash people are all taken out, it's like, well, we disarmed him. Some random ro- roving band of post-apocalyptic idiots, or maybe Rick came back for vengeance or something, and mm-hmm. like it's not mm-hmm. me, boss. It's not me. Like you don't like we don't need the fucking blue shoe because Jade is there's an eyewitness to your atrocity, dude. Right. So I don't know. I, I, you know. Oh God, I just had a horrible thought, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna put it out there. Hopefully, your listeners don't hate me for it. Okay. She was in like a slip the next time we see her. Oh, you think the we don't they don't you don't think they attacked her, right? Like raped her. I mean, one of my questions is why I said uh, Jadis is naked on top of a trash heap for some reason. <laughs> uh, I I mean, I don't know, because like Rick showed up and she was naked except for a rubber apron last season when she was doing True. some metal art like maybe this she just like when times are bad she like gets to, she likes to get naked and contemplate art 
I don't I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And but that still doesn't answer your question. Like even if they did assault her, you there it makes no sense that they left her alive. Right, and it's like it's kind of like a, a gratuitous detail. First of all, The Walking Dead doesn't shy away from shit like that. Like right. you know, there's been plenty of like implications and outright you know sexual assault on the show. Um, I guess like if you killed all every one of her friends and family and community members, and then like you know you raped her on top of that, that seems like it would be, uh, you know, really gilding the the uh the victim lily here i don't mm-hmm. i don't mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. i don't know yeah i didn't even consider that though i just thought it's just jadis being weird yeah i did too and i just when when i was contemplating like what happened after they shot everybody and mm-hmm. why they would leave her alive but yeah that it doesn't make sense it makes if, if that happened like because like i also think rick's behavior well i'd say it's borderline it's pretty despicable but you know jadis has been the 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 triple quadruple car crosser so mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's wrong either. I was going to ask, do you think that this means then that Simon is the one that killed all the men at Oceanside? Or because it wasn't the story that they didn't always live at Oceanside. They had another community. The saviors right. came to do their thing. They right. fought back. And as retaliation, they killed all their men and the women fled to Oceanside. So does this Interesting. make like, do you think that was Negan or do you think that was Simon? Yeah, because, I mean, Deegan seems like he is resistant to the thought of destroying people as a resource. He wants to find the ringleader, the exemplar. So, yeah, again, on a smarter show, I think that'd be a fruitful line of conversation. Like, yeah, that's a good point. I, I wonder if they are hinting that, uh, that, that Simon did all this. But here's the thing. I kind of want to reject it out of the hand because I don't feel like The Walking Dead has that long of a memory like there's exactly. there's no fucking way that a they did that to set up simon as this machiavellian mm-hmm. bad guy three two and a half seasons later and b no one goes back and watches their old seasons to do that like villigan thing of strip mining the past to make the the make you mm-hmm. def- you know like oh we did this thing in season two so let's bring that back in season four to make it seem like we're geniuses like mm-hmm. I, I see very little evidence of either of those things happening on the walking dead but Agreed. it's a hell of a meta theory. Yeah. Um, okay. If if that's the kind of thing that Frank Darabont might, might, might have done if he was still running this thing. <laughs> um, but so she, she, she's speaking in full sentences, which tells me that not only was her whole act a put on, but she somehow got everyone in the society to like, hey, we're building a new world. We're, do, we're going to be a living art project. And part of that art project is going to be talking like cave people. Mm-hmm that bullshit like like you know is that something that jim and i have been speculating idly like why did why is this culture so fucking weird and it it's literally the conscious choice of one woman mm-hmm. and everyone went along with it when she says um when she says that they ended up making this place their own in every way i felt like that was all the explanation we were going to get for yeah. the dialogue choices, the way they spoke was just that they decided for whatever reason that that's just how they were going to be. And if this was a post-apocalyptic world, like mm-hmm. 150 years in the future, maybe right. I would buy this. <laughs> right. Like, like if this is Mad Max where like maybe this is a generational thing and, you know, right. you've got right. Jadis's dad screaming about, uh, you know, oh, here comes Grimey to the trash pit. Ah, ha, ha. 
like but it's that's it's not it's not enough time for people to lose their minds that much it doesn't seem exactly like. it, it was just a choice and it was a dumb one and it's just basically gimple and them wanting to set this trash heap people apart and make them weird and kooky and mysterious and it's mm. just stupid yeah because it's like where's the time where someone broke character like in all the stressful situations like when bullets are whizzing like jade like mm-hmm. everyone rem- remembered this the speak in this weird trash people dialect like it's just... even Ezekiel drops his sometimes. Yeah. Right? Like... Yeah. Shit gets real for him. And he's like, yeah, fuck this King shit. I don't want to do it no more. Like, right. uh, you know, but then again, King Ezekiel is a much, much more fully realized character than this poor girl. True. Uh, so Jadis, J- uh, Rick starts making uh, a ramming shield out of an old car door. Cause he gives zero fucks about Jadis. Jadis mm-hmm. says, I want to come with. And Rick's like, literally, nah, nah, nah. we're good. Uh, Michonne and Rick clear a path through the door and like you know get the half-assed, I, and I, which I guess Jadis like maybe she stripped down to her nightshirt so she could wouldn't get sweaty while she was constructing this elaborate booby trap, <laughs> while simultaneously fighting off all of her dead community members who have come back to life. Like, there's a lot of questions to this scene I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jadis picks up the sad, rusty chair and tries to follow along, but then Rick does the whole thing he did with, um, Ahu. Who's the new kid? Sadiq. S- Sadiq. Uh, and she fires his... Got his son killed. Fi- <laughs> fire, fires his last bullet over her head, um, mm-hmm. to drive her off, I guess. And the, the wind see Jadis sitting on this sad, rusty chair in bad need of a pedicure and, and super bad need of a tetanus shot. Jesus. There's yes. no fucking way she's making it out of this junkyard of that lockjaw. No way. <laughs> no way. She's running around barefoot on her on heaps of rusty metal, Nina. There's no way she gets out without tetanus. Uh, you know what I noticed though? I went to the press site to get photos for my review. Yeah. And there's a photo of her running, holding the chair after Rick shot up in the air. Mm-hmm. And what she's running on is actually a bunch of carpets like throw rugs yeah yeah i've noticed that like the center of the thunderdome they got there is just layer <laughs> after layer of weird kind of per- persian looking rug things so nasty okay uh, uh so she does have a plan she has tetanus and a plan uh, her plan is to herd all of her former followers and lead them pied piper style into the junkyard shredding machine mm-hmm. holy shit nina this was fucking cool it was <laughs> it, like it's so like like the because I've seen one of these like I, I can't remember on Reddit like someone like fed a Volkswagen to one of these machines and it's frightening. It's frightening uh. how it can just take engine blocks and wheels and just the hardest pieces of metal you would think crankshafts like case hardened steel and just just shreds it to nothing and, and almost nothing flat. And seeing these bodies just go in and then then the the human looking dog food coming out the other end was mm-hmm. spectacle. <laughs> and I always I, I thought was, she was <clears throat> I thought she was like when she was sitting there hitting the stick on the ground, I thought yeah. she was going to let them eat her. I kinda thought that might be too. Yeah, but this was better. <laughs> yeah, and I guess they're gonna keep Jadis around for the I bet I don't I don't I mean it's what's interesting about that is we we know zero about this woman because everything we knew about her was bullshit. So mm-hmm. like, uh, I wonder what the future of Jadis is on this show. If that is even her real name, like she might that might be her trash people name. You know, she's yeah, really just they Jane. all had they all had weird names, so I think they adopted new ones. Right, right. Like there's like you know some kind of weird Finding Nemo 
uh, shark bait ooh ha ha kind of ceremony they had the tra- the that you got your you got your trash name. My theory is that she's going to sit there and eat her giant industrial size can of applesauce and use the uh, people mush to mm-hmm. make new art. There you go. <laughs> she's gonna. <laughs> well, I thought that was because that was my next point. Is so she she takes like a 40, 48 ounce uh, jar of applesauce, cracks it open, and drinks it like uh, a, 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 I don't know, like a fucking mason jar of moonshine or something. It's, yeah, it's yeah. just such a weird, a weird scene of her eating this uh, no name, no brand canned applesauce. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jadis, ah, Jadis. Uh, can't wait to see where you pop up next. Uh so Rick is then excusing his behavior to Michonne with Jadis, and she's like, I don't know, Rick. Feels like this is the kind of shit that Carl was talking about in his letter. <laughs> like, the explanation we've got from on high was that Carl needed to die to make a transformative effect on Rick, and I'm not seeing it. Uh, no. He wanted to kill Negan before Carl's dead. He super wants to kill Negan now. Mm-hmm. Um and Rick decides he's going to pull over and take uh, Michonne's advice from earlier in the episode and read some of the letters. And she, he starts off by reading Negan. Then he demands an audience uh, with him through the walkie-talkie. And I thought this was a pretty good scene. Uh, yeah. And I thought they both – like I thought Jeff – like I thought Jeffrey Dean Morgan, you know, he's a great Negan. And mm-hmm. he's really good at getting under Rick's skin. And he's saying a lot of things that are kind of true from even mm-hmm. more than a certain perspective. Yes. Uh, I will say that I couldn't I, I kept on daydreaming during the live watch of like what because uh, I my people whenever people ask me before they cast Jeffrey Dean Morgan, uh, I always said that I, I hope they go with like John Hamm for Negan. Oh, OK, because he can play like like this kind of affable guy. He can play kind of a menacing like like scary no feelings kind of guy and he's very clean mm-hmm. cut and conventionally handsome and when jeffrey dean morgan is delivering this this dialogue with a particularly slick back hair i'm like mm-hmm. man i wonder what like this is a really good scene i wonder what john ham would have done with it but that's you that's my who, idle who speculation was in the, the rumor to be in the running before they announced jeffrey dean morgan was who? um garrett dillahunt oh yeah and- yeah, and I was really excited about that because I like him. Uh-huh. And um, but it turns out he's going to be on Fear the Walking Dead. This Interesting. Season. Where do we yeah. just see? Because he was on that guy from uh, uh, Deadwood and Justified, and he just had. I just saw him in something. Maybe it was something I've on Netflix. Seen, I've only seen him on Hand of God, which is an AMC. Um, excuse me, an Amazon original series uh-huh. with uh, Rod Ron Perlman. Is that his name? Yeah. Um, and I remember him from the Sarah Connor Chronicles Terminator show. Right, right. And he was in that comedy that uh, Raising Hope or Faith or was uh-huh. like kind of like a redneck family raising this little baby. Right. Martha hmm. Plimpton was his wife or something like that. So I've seen him do like different types of roles. And I think that I was really rooting for him when when it was leaked that he was in the running. And, and then they announced Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And I kind of want to have his baby. So I was totally okay with Jeffrey Dean Morgan no. taking the role. No, Jeffrey yeah. Dean Morgan has been a really good Negan. And, you know, obviously it's unfortunate because he's such a good Negan. And they just kind of have, you know, like like they've done with various other gifts of casting and, mm-hmm. and gifts of character. Like they've done it with Tyrone. They've done it with Andrea. They've done it with like the only I guess the only uh, like like Abraham to a lesser extent, Eugene, like mm-hmm. 
they they cast these people perfectly and then lose the plot of what the character is supposed to do and it ends up kind of like you know uh it's like you you cast like pierce bronson as james bond and he's like fucking a great james bond but then he doesn't have any good james bonds to be in so you just have him in an office for the whole movie (laughs) yeah yeah um but do you think that this this what negan is saying here like the fact that when he finds out carl died and it's it hit him and he says like i'm feeling it and i'm probably gonna be feeling it for a while i saw a lot of people on twitter this didn't affect them they were like you're a murderer fuck you you didn't even know carl but i feel like this was a missed opportunity for them because to know that he and Carl have more meaningful interactions in the comic books, mm-hmm. like they didn't really have that here. Right. So I can understand where some people feel like this is bullshit. We can't believe it. I think Jeffrey D. Morgan sold it and I, I believed it, but I can also see where others feel like he didn't even really know Carl. And I think that, again, that's the fault of the show because it feels like they just write for big episodes, right? Like yeah, everything yeah, yeah. is just to get us to the mid-season premieres and the season premieres and the mid-season finales and the finales that they don't care about the stuff in between. Right. And um, so I saw this wasn't, this was lost on a lot of folks. Not me, but I, but I could see where people would feel that way. Well, I mean, I think this is one of the things that tracks better than most through The Walking Dead because every single time Negan and Carl have interacted, uh, Negan has been impressed by Carl yes. and his watermelon-sized boy balls and all these. <laughs> like, like he's clearly, like, when he says that kid is the future, like, maybe that's a shot from the writer's room to AMC's uh, executives, AMC mm-hmm. Studios executives. But I also thought, yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think Negan loved Carl, but he loved the idea of Carl. Like, this mm-hmm. this really tough kid and rick is fucking up and squandering his potential like man if i had a son i'd want to be just like carl and how badass that would be he loved the idea of of carl more than he actually loved the reality of carl and i do Mm -hmm. think i do think when he says i had plans for this kid like i think his in his ideal world he would kill rick kidnap carl corrupt him and then make him his new right hand man and maybe Mm -hmm. the future leader of alexandria like i do believe that to the extent that Negan had any kind of, like, I don't think he has kids. I don't think he, like, isn't there, doesn't he force his wives to have abortions or take birth control? Or, like, wasn't that a plot from, like, a season or two ago? I don't think he wants to have biological children, but he, <gasps> like, like Carl, I think he saw him as his heir. And I think that all tracks. Like, I agree it's not a authentic kind of father-son, like, I love this kid kind of relationship. And it's all fucked mm-hmm. up like Negan's relationships are. But I felt, yeah, I felt it worked pretty well. I actually think, I totally forgotten that, but there was when we learned the history with Dwight's wife, right? The episode mm-hmm. in which she let Daryl go and she mm-hmm. leaves. Mm-hmm. She was, she goes in to see Dr. Carson and takes a pregnancy test. Right. And it was negative. And he was like, well, maybe next time. And so I thought the implication was that Negan is trying to get his wives pregnant. Oh, maybe. Maybe crazy. I and, and, and misinterpreted that. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. Maybe I got it wrong. But yeah, there was some mention of that. Okay. Uh, Do you believe uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, he says, if you were to go back and watch the series from Negan's point of view, mm-hmm. he doesn't think he's a bad guy. Do you agree with that? I think that. 
I think that Negan does think that because, like, why else would he stick to the saving thing? I think he does, like, when he's telling Rick, like, what I do is save lives and what you do is lose lives. I think he does believe that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just wish they had done a better job of actually showing, like, Negan the savior. uh, Rather than just, like, you know, Negan as essentially a a despotic warlord. Like, that would have been an interesting, like, a, a better governor, essentially. Like, that's what mm-hmm. I think Negan is in the comics. He's a better version of the governor. Uh, okay. And, I, I mean, he's certainly better than the TV governor, who I thought was all over the place in terms of writing and motivation and, mm-hmm. you know, but, but yeah, it's they, they, they haven't done as much with them as they, they could have, for sure. Okay. Uh, I also like the staging of this shot. Uh you know, Rick, like he's kind of wandering in the field and there's like these really in- intense close ups of his sweaty face. and He's dripping sweat and he's screaming at Negan and he's always back to this thing of like, I'm going to kill you and all that. But then at the end, when Negan is like slipping in the the the, the knife between his ribs, they pull <sighs> they pull way out and they have this like kind of beautiful shot of uh, Rick alone in the field against this forlorn gray sky. And he's in mm-hmm. he's just a small figure in the lower right. And the director, David Boyd, uh, I looked at his because I always do this when I'm, you know, I always post the, 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 the thread in the forums and I say the, who the writers and directors are. And uh, like I looked in David Boyd and I, he's done a lot of stuff that I've, I've liked. He was one of the one of the big uh, principal photographers of like Firefly and he's done other stuff where I think he knows how to work a camera. And I think that's one of the reasons this episode turned out relatively well is because the director had an idea of even when he was handed subpar material mm-hmm. okay here's what they're trying to do with this scene where like like Nicotero is just all over the fucking place oh he's terrible like he can shoot zombie gore but he really struggles with actors and people yeah and sweating details like i feel like he's just like uh because i was making fun of some stuff like even the stunt work was like you know and that one dude tackled uh, Ezekiel in Ezekiel's inner chambers last week. It's like, that was the first take. And you're like, yeah, that's the one we want because yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just, you know, he just, I don't think he does a good, a great job at directing. Um, yeah. but he wears a brain. He's got glasses. So he looks like he should. And he keeps, <laughs> he, and, and, and he like, I don't know. He, he has naked pictures of the president of AMC studios and is, and he keeps getting to direct like two or three episodes a season. I, I don't get it. But is no, Michelle McLaren too big for them now? Do you think? Yeah. At what point? If do you even? Because like I've always wondered, is AMC too cheap to pay a Michelle McLaren uh, or like a uh, 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 Miguel uh, Sapochnik? Or right. do they get those offers and they're like, ah, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Right. I, I really, it really feels like they are trying to save money where they can and put out a product that people, I mean, they're still watching the ratings go down, but I mean, it's still the highest rated cable show, right? Ah, uh, I don't know. Like game of Thrones seemed like they threw, they, they, they took the lead like two seasons ago, and that's premium. I mean, like, if we're talking basic cable, maybe, but like game of Thrones is crushing them on, on the, on even yeah, premium I would, cable. I agree with that. Yeah. But I don't know. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't either. But David Boyd, you did a pretty good job with some dubious writing material. <laughs> uh, and this was one of those weird, like, three episode, uh, th- three writers were credited with this episode, which I always take to indicate that 
very late in the breaking of these this season, they had parts of three scripts that they stitched together to make a Franken script. Yeah, that feels and then about right. That starts to make sense of like, okay, well, this explains the titles, and then like, you know, maybe the like they they tried to kind of fuse a bunch of different parts from desperate episodes together into one or maybe because that's the thing i've been asking for for seasons like stop doing a michonne episode stop doing a carl episode stop doing like right we cannot go like a season and a half without without seeing daryl and rick doing shit like maybe they're consciously like oh well we wrote this this way and now we're going to split it up and try to give it to di-. i mean mm-hmm. that's progress like yeah this is a watchable show if if this was every episode and we got one episode of uh, uh, a year that's like a kind of amazing, this would be a watchable mm-hmm. show. Last week's show, not a watchable show. No, that was terrible. Um, but yeah. Uh, anything else we want to say about this episode, or should we consider our email of the week? Oh, let's go to the email. Okay. Hey, everybody, before we get to feedback, I wanted to talk about the club. A uh, great way to support Bald Move. You can go to club.baldmove.com. Uh, to get a lowdown of all the great features you get. But it's all about bonus content. It's all about ad-free feeds. You don't ever have to listen to me pitch mattresses or protein bars or uh, cooking subscription services or audio books ever again. If you go to club.baldmove.com and you get a lot of uh, uh, bonus content. For example, uh, something that's dropping tomorrow for club members is a little thing we have to call Quit Your Pitching where Jim and I use a random TV title generator that we found on the website to generate titles of absurd TV shows, and when then we pretend uh, what they would be about if they actually existed. This week, uh, The Duke of Extremism, which is a uh, sequel to our Dukes of Hazard thing that we did uh, a, long, a couple clips ago, Muppet City, a hard-boiled uh, detective crime show based on the Muppets, Doogie Hauser Time, imagining Doogie Hauser as a Time Lord, uh, Dawson's Rascals, which I believe is a pitch for a spinoff of The Expanse about a Martian uh, a branch of the Marine Service. Uh, King of the Clock, uh, which is about the man one man's quest to defraud FedEx of their time clock, uh, based on Jim and I working there a long time ago. And Alien Beaver. Oh boy, what will the pitch be for Alien Beaver? You can find out by going to the club.baldmove.com and get that and other exclusive uh, content. For example, another one, another one coming out this week. Uh, we do a spoiler-free review of our first-run movies like Wrinkle in Time this uh, Thursday night. Uh, but if you want the full spoiler-filled thoughts, you got to be a club member because we only release that for our club members. So check it out, club.baldmove.com. Thanks in your advance for, or thanks in advance rather for all your support. Uh, you can send email at watchingdeadatballmove.com. Uh, like we explained last week, we are going to uh, Letters of the Week. Uh, just a, just a single single email to try to streamline the effort we put in the show uh, and, and reduce the time that we focus on it. Uh, Alexander F. has the honor of this week. Uh, says, of the bevy of awfulness that per usual accompanies Trash Festival as Walking Dead, this week's episode certainly had one even more glaring and galling aspect of it, the godforsakenly poor decision-making by all parties and all ways in every act of the show. In particular, Simon offing the garbage pail kids. 
I mean, Christ, where do I even begin? For one, the saviors are entirely outmatched and outgunned the moment they wait waltzed into the heap. Why not just mow them down at once? You know, speaking as Jadis, they are they have to be coming for vengeance, pure and simple. They seem to like setting traps and having these contingency plans in place. Thus, surely they had discussed and were aware of the impending fate that was the bad guy's return. Uh, that aside, why give up the weapons at all? That set of guns and ammo is worth its weight in gold in that world. So that's the first part. It did strike me, like Jadis, she she sure like 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 we now know that she's not mentally challenged. She can right. speak in full sentences. There's nothing wrong with her. This is all an act. She had to know that her bluff was not going to fucking work. Right. So why, when it does seem like they had they were outnumbered, they had to see these saviors coming for a mile away. They have to mm-hmm. march through a fucking cargo container and like double file. Just open up on them as they're coming through that. Yep. So fuck fuck up number one in Alexander's eyes, and I'm going to co-sign that. But here's my biggest bigger issue with Simon's plan. Why, oh fucking why, did he leave Jadis alive? As with the movie Heat, why live one witness breathing? The damage is already done. Negan's going to learn that the garbage bail kids are all dead very soon. If you, at the very least, offer uh, off every last one of them, you can spin some version that would keep your head firmly attached to your neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I totally agree. And I wonder if we are going to see a scene later on of like Jadis's reflection of what all we got like a little bit of flashback action when she was watching all of her friends tumble into the meat grinder. Right. But there is, there is like the question of how in the world did she escape and was left alive, uh, during Simon's lighting up the compound. Yeah. That I, you know what, even when we talked about it earlier, I hadn't considered you're absolutely he may he might not know he left her alive mm-hmm. yeah who kills him negan or jadis because he's not making it out of the season right uh so I'm-, I'm trying to think what would be the most dramatically satisfying and then i'll select the opposite uh <laughs> uh <laughs> i so who will kill Simon. I, I i guess i guess negan would be it'd be more satisfying to see Simon being beat to death by by Negan. Uh so I guess I'm going to say they're going to let Jadis do it because why yeah. else why else leave a single survivor unless she, like she's got an arc now, right? Yeah, her exactly. Only possible that's arc that's interesting is her getting vengeance for all these people that we don't know or care about. Exactly. Um, that's a- that's why it's going to happen. We it, want the first thing, but we're going to get the second thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like I said, you know, that's that's not super fun or interesting because we don't have any emotional connection to Jadis, whereas I really like uh, Og's work here with Simon, exactly. and I thought Simon is by far the best of his lieutenants, and mm-hmm. seeing Negan, you know, because we were introduced to Simon as like, this is my right-hand man. Mm-hmm. This is a good thing to have, Rick. This is what you need to survive. And Negan killing Simon would be kind of a nice, like, like, because because Negan's talking a lot of mess with Rick here about him being such a failure, right? Yeah. But Negan beating his right hand man to death, like, how much more of a failure can you get from exactly. the position of strength that he entered this uh, world in, or his our introduction to him to to him him killing his own lieutenant? I think that would be pretty powerful. Which means. Mm-hmm. We're probably just going to get to see Jadis screaming and 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 I don't coming at him like a spider monkey, and he'll die off screen. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, underneath a, uh, underneath a dumpster, and he might come right. back next season. Who knows? 
so thanks. Th- thanks for that uh, email, Alex. Uh, you are the email of the week. If you would like to send us feedback in on The Watching Dead, uh, you can do so at watchingdeadatbaldmove.com. And uh, like I said, uh, we are reading it all. We're still reading it all. We're just we're just trying to select the one that's best and most representative of the feedback we're getting to uh, to read it. So, um, yeah, thanks, Nina, for coming and keeping me company while my co-host hey. is off uh, half the world away in uh, <laughs> Europe's uh, sleek and stylish uh, thigh high stocking known as Italy. Uh, tell us tell us once more where uh, we can find you at and maybe also something i'm personally interested in what is your uh, your the the book project that you're most excited about oh uh oh so the the one that's coming out uh in a few weeks it's serialized so that means it's uh like a novella every three to four weeks uh it's a sequel to a serialized uh story that I wrote a couple of years ago called Sharing Space. I guess the title, uh, the category would be contemporary romance, but it's not like Harlequin mushy romance. Um, It's about an interracial relationship, kind of models my marriage. And uh, that was the first part. And the second part sees them through marriage and children and dealing with real life issues like Black Lives Matter and police brutality and dealing with that within an interracial relationship. So I'm super excited. How hot are the sex scenes? Uh, well, that would be the next book called The Witness, which I have a kind of co-writer. That's your, and, that's your uh, Fifty Shades More Married? Yeah, we. I've written some uh, smut under a pen name that I'm not going to say here. I, have a, <laughs> I have a co-writer. Uh, a very I'm talented... learning things. I'm learning things now. <laughs> yeah, a very talented co-writer. He lives in Australia. We are working on a book after this. Uh, the sequel. It's called The Witness. And... Uh, the sex scenes are going to be really, really hot because I'm leaving them up to him. <laughs> I was going to say, so you're outsourcing the smut. Yeah. So we we, we, we did this before. We wrote a, a series of like smutty books together. and We kind of uh, split the workload. And um, I think he's better at writing the sex stuff. Mine stuff tends to be too pornographic, I think. Wow. <laughs> it's like a yeah. All right. He had to edit some of my stuff. I was like, oh. But, uh, but yeah, it's called The Witness. And that should be out in a few months. So if you follow me on Twitter at author Nina Perez, you know, I live tweet TV shows. I sometimes talk about politics, but I will definitely be pimping my work there. So. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, It's good to have you back on. Uh, You're doing a lot of stuff that we're going to be covering. I'm trying to think you you said you're going to be doing Legion. Jason, Jason C over the Walking Dead podcast. Uh, We did a a joint podcast on Legion and Uh uh, he's kicking us off. In favor of uh, doing doing a podcast with his podcastica friends, so okay. uh, I did. He did say he'd have me on as a guest host, but like if you want, because I'm gonna be watching it, and now I don't have I, now I'm 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 a podcastless host. Uh, I'm so afraid to ask you to come on my show though, because we're not nearly as good as you. Guys. Okay, I mean, who I don't I don't I like having fun conversations with people, okay. so like I wouldn't mind uh, throwing my hat in a ring. Uh, my okay. my my thing awesome. is my chief limitation is time. Like if I have time yes. for something, uh, then I, then then I I would like to do it. Um, well, I will try to book you way in advance to come on and talk about Legion, and if you're up for it, uh, Westworld. I'm so super excited for the second season dude, of that. If- dude, Westworld looks. Amazing amazing and it, it was like you know i missed it so much last year i am very yes. excited for it to come back yeah. so uh because i just feel like i'm cooling my heels at the walk you know like literally uh <laughs> we're doing we're doing walking dead because there was no but like, like, like jim and i were like damn it there's just nothing 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 better for us to be doing right now yeah. so no. 
Check uh, out Counterpart, though, on Stars with J.K. Simmons. Right, I think right. you should be watching that. There I was think a, you should. Yeah, that was my next question. Is like, what is the show that's on right now that I should be watching and I'm not? Counterpart on Stars and uh, The Alienist on TNT. I've heard good, that's Alienist. That's the one with uh, the, uh, the Fanning Girl, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. We're reviewing that. They sent us screeners for it, which is great because my writer covering it lives wait, in wait, Ireland. Wait, wait, wait. You're getting screeners for shit? I get screen. I got screeners for The Walking Dead. <laughs> I need to have a conversation with Nina because, like, I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I was gonna say it's like maybe it's because they've heard Bald Moose's reputation, but like, you're not exactly holding back these days. So, like, we're but, no. I was gonna say like we are not huge at all, and I really hope sometimes people don't like listen to the stuff that we record because they <laughs> give us screeners, and you know if we're hard on it. But yeah, let's talk offline. <laughs> yes, I, I'd like to. I like to get some of that sweet, sweet screener action, uh, Nina. Oh. Thanks for coming on. I'll put your contact information in the show notes uh, and uh, talk to you real soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you.